Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Good day, saints. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. I am also your teacher. And today is Saturday, February the 19th, 2022. We have reached the final episode of this 11-part series entitled, Do You Know the Signs of the Second Coming of the Messiah? And um, from what I'm hearing, it's an epic uh, series. Um, I don't share information for it to become popular. Uh, I share it so that the world could hear it. And those that God choose to hear this, he will make sure they hear it. I'm not in it, in it for money because I don't make money um, doing this podcast. And those of you who sow into the ministry, I appreciate every, every last one of you guys. But I'm not in it for, for no money. I work hard every day. You know, this is my second job. I would like for it to be my livelihood. And, and that is my intentions. That's my future intentions. But with that said, if you guys can remember when we closed out episode 10, I mentioned that episode 11 would basically be a summary of this entire series. It's going to be long. So you guys are going to have to bear with me. I had to take a B12. Yes, vitamin B12. <laughs> because this is going to be maybe an hour and a half or maybe two hours. I hope not because if it looks like it's going to be two hours long, we are going to make this into a 12 part series. Okay. You guys got to bear with me. But as I begin to share, hopefully I'll be able to go as long as I need to, to complete this series. And then I'm going to take a week off because I have already started uh, doing research and, and studying on my next. It's not going to be a series. It's going to be an episode. Yes, about why so many Christians get sick and die before their time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's going to be very interesting. And that was um, I, that idea came to me. Because people send me questions asking me this. And I say, well, you know what? If if all of these people are curious as to why so many Christians are dying and evil people are living long, I think I need to do an episode and share scripture uh, based on why a Christian can die before their time. Okay. So with that said, let's get this truth on the road. Yes. So. As I mentioned a few seconds ago that we will be summaring up this entire series, we're going to talk about, first, we're going to talk about just days before Jesus's crucifixion, he and his disciples were visiting the temple in Jerusalem and the disciples were impressed by what they saw. 
and they pointed out the majesty and the craftsmanship of the temple structures. Okay. However, Jesus, on the other hand, his reaction was a little different from the apostles. And I think I need to take this time to share. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that whenever Jesus talked, whenever he shared information, it was a learning experience. Okay. Jesus always talked. His words were never in vain. That's why we need to take what Jesus says very seriously. Okay. So Jesus said to them, you see these stones, the the day will come when not one of these stones will be left on top of another. Now this surprised the disciples and they were curious. They asked Jesus, Lord, when will all this take place? What signs should we look for to tell us you're coming? And Jesus went on to describe a a series of signs and and events uh, that they should look for. And the grand finale of all these events, Jesus said, then everyone in the world will see the son of man coming on the clouds in great power and glory. That statement is in Luke chapter 21, beginning at verse 27. But what did Jesus mean when he said this to the disciples? Jesus was referring to the book of Daniel and its description of the Messiah who would come to earth and rule the world forever. That's in Daniel chapter seven, beginning at verse 13. Now, these passages of scripture is a description of his second coming. Okay, not the first coming, his second coming. That's what confused the Jews. They didn't know the Messiah was coming, had to come twice. And actually the third time he, he appears, it would um, be for the rapture, but he won't step foot on earth. And we talked about that, I think, in episode one. And then later, Jesus made this reference again when he told the high priest Caiaphas, uh, who was a member of the Sanhedrin, that they would see him coming on the clouds of heaven. That's in Matthew 26, verse 64. Now the signs Jesus revealed to his disciples in Luke 21, verses five through 36 are signs that will precede his second coming. Okay. Jesus told his disciples to look for these signs and he told them they will appear at a specific point in time, a time when all these signs will appear at once. My Lord. Now, according to Jesus, these aren't genetic signs, but specific signs unique to the generation in which they occur. Okay. In this series, we examine many of those signs. And these were signs that were both stated by both Jesus and the Old Testament prophets. And each and every one of these signs is unique to our generation. Now, at the dawn of the 20th century, not a single one was present. Now they all are. That's very important, saints. They all are are, are present now before this generation. Okay. now, doesn't that make you at least curious? Jesus told his disciples point blank that when you see these signs, you should look up. And the reason for that is because that's when he is coming. Okay. Now we are also the disciples that Jesus was talking to. Okay. Yes, we are. That's why those writings were put in the Holy scriptures for us to see. Now Jesus commanded his followers to look for these signs, right? 
He said, when you see them, his return is near. So what did he mean by saying the word near? Jesus specifically used the phrase right at the door. But again, what does that mean? It means his return is imminent. It could come at any moment. Now alone, each of these signs that we have examined indicate the second coming of Jesus Christ is near, not his first coming, the second coming. Okay. But the appearance of all these signs at the same time, think about that. That should convince you beyond any shadow of doubt. So what are the odds that we would see all these signs at the same time? Now in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator, he describes a 200 million man army. And this is in Revelation 9, 16. In the late first century, when John recorded Revelation, experts estimate this was close to the entire world's population. Okay. So the idea of a 200 million man army was laughable in the first century, but today it's not. Mm -mm. Alone China and India each have over a billion people. Yes. Now, guess where John said these armies would come from? He said the Euphrates River will dry up so kings of the east can travel through with their armies. That's in Revelation 16, 12. Now, of course, if you know your world geography, you know that both China and India are east of the Euphrates River. Now, is this just another coincidence? No, it is not a coincidence. Is it just random chance that a 200 million man army is possible at the same moment in time when every sign of the second coming of Jesus is present? I don't think so. And you shouldn't either. So I want you to think about it for a second. God is speaking to our generation. Jesus commanded us to look for the very signs we see today. So don't you think we should at least pay attention to what Jesus said? So let's take a look back at some of the signs that we covered from episode one up until now. First, the Jews are back in Israel. God foretold this modern miracle through his prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jesus himself. So what are the odds a random chance resulted in the rebirth of an ancient nation. Now, how many ancient nations reappear hundreds of years after their complete destruction now and not just reappear with the same name, but retain their distinct racial, cultural and spiritual heritage? Hmm? At best, you're looking at a long shot. In fact, it's only happened twice in all of human history. It's such a rare occurrence that it's only happened twice in all of recorded history. The most recent case is one we've already examined, Israel in 1948. But what about the other case? It shouldn't surprise you when I say that it was Israel, okay? Around 1500 BC, Moses led the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt and they eventually resettled the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So think about that. This is not a coincidence. Over and over, the Old Testament prophets linked the return of the Jews and the rebirth of Israel with the end of the age. And Jesus said this sign will precede his second coming. 
Yet for 1878 years of all Christianity, this sign wasn't anywhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Now today it's in the daily news. Another sign we discussed Israel controlling Jerusalem. Now, according to Jesus, Daniel and Zechariah, this is a necessary precursor to the second coming of our Messiah. Zechariah said the, that the Jewish people will once again play in the streets. Today, we see that happening. So I want you to remember for 1897 years, this wasn't the case. From AD 70 to June 7, 1967, the Jewish people had zero control over Jerusalem. They were scattered around the world. And today, they're not only back in the land of Jerusalem, but in the old city. They are in Israel and the old city of Jerusalem itself. And we also talked about the exponential curve. Jesus said just before his return, the world will experience birth pains. In other words, certain events will increase in both frequency and intensity. So what specific events did Jesus mention? He said there will be wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, false messiahs, my Lord, and a number of other events. And do we see these events occurring today? Yes, we do. Far more people die from 20th century wars and famines than lived on the entire earth in the first century. So what about the increase in, in, in travel and knowledge? Uh-huh. Now, according to the book of Daniel, travel and knowledge will increase significantly in the time just prior to the second coming of our Messiah. And that's exactly what we see today for the first 1600 years of Christianity. Excuse me. I just bumped the mic. I'm sorry. Our ability to travel and, and the base of human knowledge remain relatively unchanged, but the industrial revolution unleashed exponential change in the mid 19th century, traveling from New York to San Francisco was a, a strenuous task. It was, it took uh, a multi month journey to travel from San Francisco or from New York to San Francisco or from San Francisco to New York. Today, it's a few hours just on a plane. Uh-huh. And what about a European confederation? Both Daniel and John said a loose confederation of European states will appear in the end times. This 10 nation alliance will take over the world. Remember, we talked about this in episode eight and nine. And only the second coming of Jesus Christ will destroy the global empire that they create. Now, Daniel said this alliance will include both weak and strong nations, and these nations will fit together poorly, just as iron and clay don't mix. So do we see this today? Now, we don't see the 10 nation alliance just yet, but we do see a loose confederation of European states. And just as Daniel foretold, the European Union consists of both weak and strong states. This is not a coincidence, states. Saints, this is Bible prophecy coming to pass. So what about Russia, uh, a Russian and Iranian alliance? Didn't we just talk about this in episode uh, nine and eight? Now, according to Ezekiel, a Russian Iranian led coalition of nations will attack Israel in the last days. Now, soon thereafter, the second coming will take place. Ezekiel said this in 600 B.C. 
Mm-hmm. Now, from his time until well into the 20th century, this type of alliance never existed. But today it does. Now, Russia and Iran are now allies. In fact, they're two of the most powerful players in Middle East politics, and both are aligned against Israel. Now, Israel's, uh, we also talk about Israel's hostile neighbors. The Old Testament prophets revealed that after the rebirth of Israel, the hostility of her neighbors, those nations that are around Israel, will boil over. They'll say, come, let us wipe away the nation of Israel. You know, let's destroy the memory of its its existence. This is written in Psalms 83, four, and they'll say, let us take for ourselves these pasture lands of God in Psalms 83, 12. We discuss that as well. And when does the Bible say this will happen right before Jesus comes back? Now, do we see this today? Yes, we do. This is all we've seen since 1948, but for almost 19 centuries before that, this sign didn't exist. It exists now in our generation, saints. And what about uh, the prophet Daniel talking about advanced technology? When an angel showed Daniel various end times events, Daniel struggled to understand. He asked what it all meant. Now the angel, he told Daniel, all these things are kept secret until the time of the end. That's in Daniel chapter 12, verse nine. And then why I want to ask, why couldn't Daniel understand what he saw? Now think about it. Back in Daniel's day, it was like the uh, stone age, like the Flintstones. He couldn't understand because the world was dramatically different. Now, if Daniel had looked ahead to the first century, do you think he would have, have been confused? Absolutely not. First century wasn't much different from his own world. So what if he caught a glimpse of life in uh, let's say the fifth century, 10th, 15th century for thousands of years. Now society stayed more or less the same for thousands of years. Only in the 19th and 20th centuries would Daniel encounter a more complex world that strained his understanding. I want you to think about that. Advanced technology has drastically changed our world. Imagine living 2,600 years ago. An angel appears and shows you visions of skyscrapers and jet airplanes, satellites, iPhones, uh, televisions, and so forth. Wouldn't you be confused? Uh-huh. And what about a uh, global government? Now, according to the book of Revelation, a global empire will rule the world in the years just before Jesus returns. And while a global government doesn't exist just yet, current trends make it likely in the near future. Two bloody world wars in the early 20th century gave birth to the United Nations. Think about it, saints. And global institutions such as the International Court of Justice continue to grow in both power and influence. Now, conflict due to borders cultural differences and competing interests is waning due to increased travel and the advancement of technology saints. Now the interconnectedness of the global economy also decreases the likelihood of war and increases the likelihood of cooperation. Now, if you add in 
the breakdown of language and communication barriers. And, and, and we're moving closer and closer to a day when all the nations of the world unite in common purpose. Mm. It's worth at least thinking about if you are not convinced as yet. So remember in episode 10, we talked about the gospel being preached to every nation. That's where we are today. The good news of Jesus Christ spreads across the planet like wildflower today. Television networks, um, websites, ebooks, YouTube videos, churches and missionaries and podcasts such as mine. Every medium and method you can think of feeds the gospel to a hungry planet, saints. Think about how rare this is. What are the odds of a first century Israelite carpenter spreading his teachings to the whole world? Mm. In fact, those are long shot odds. Yet we see it happening right now. And Jesus said, when it does, the end will come. Now, but even in the midst of all these signs, one sign of the second coming is bigger than any of the individual signs we've looked at so far. And what is that sign? It's the convergence of all these signs. What are the odds of all these signs coming together at one time? Now, if the odds are a mere one in 10 for each of these signs, the odds of them all coming together simultaneously is one in 10 billion, one in 10 billion saints. Now, did one out of every 10 first century spiritual leaders manage to spread his message to the uh, furthest corners of the globe? Has every generation had a, a one in 10 chance of witnessing the, the unification of Europe, the restoration, the uh, restoration of Israel? Uh, a Russian and Iranian alliance? Of course not. These are all significant signs. And keep in mind, these signs don't include the fulfillment of signs within the signs, such as Israel's reborn in a single day. Okay, let me say that again. Israel reborn in a single day. Isaiah predicted the rebirth of Israel in a single day. God himself said Israel would be like a woman who gives birth in an instant without labor pains. That's in Isaiah 66 verses seven through nine. And guess what? The nation of Israel was restored in a single day. On May 14, in 1948, the Jewish People's Council issued an Israeli Declaration of Independence. The United States formally recognized the Jewish state that same day. Now, we also talked about Israel and Judah being new, uh, unified. Remember, Isaiah predicted the unification of Israel and Judah, which is Jerusalem, when God brings his people back into the land. That's in Isaiah 11, verse 13. Now, the prophet Ezekiel agreed with that. And they never met one another, by the way, the two prophets saying Israel would be one kingdom, no longer divided. That's in Ezekiel 37, verse 22. Now, is this what we see today? The state of Israel remains politically united as one nation with a unified government. And it's been this way since May of 1948. And remember, it was prophesied by the uh, prophet Isaiah that Israel would have a thriving agriculture. Now, through Isaiah, God promised to bring the Jewish people back into the land of Israel. But he also promised Israel will blossom agriculturally and fill the whole world with its fruit. 
And when was this supposed to happen? Just prior to the second coming of the Messiah. And today, the tiny nation of Israel, which used to be a desert wasteland less than a century ago, is one of the world's leading fresh citrus producers and a net exporter of more than 40 variety of fruits. I can't even name 40 fruits. I can't. I can just name the four that I eat. Now, remember when we also talked about um, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, being a great army. The prophet Ezekiel revealed the Jewish people would come to life and stand up as a great army. That's in Ezekiel 37.10. Zechariah said Israel would be like a blazing fire among sheaves of grain, burning up the neighboring nations. That's in Zechariah 12.6. Even the weakest soldier among them will be like King David. That's in Zechariah 12, 8. And what have we seen since 1948? The Israeli Defense Force, also no known as the IDF, is one of the greatest military forces in the entire world. Despite being surrounded by a sea of hostile neighbors, Israel continues to survive and thrive against all odds because God is on their side. Now, this is a... The best example of if God is for you, who can be against you? Now, what about Jerusalem at the center of world conflict? Now, God promised to make Jerusalem and Israel the center of world affairs in the last days. In fact, he said Jerusalem would be an intoxicating drink for the many nations who send their armies against Jerusalem and Israel. That's in Zechariah 12 verses two and three. So what do we see today? Israel and Jerusalem are a constant source of international turmoil. Now, if the surrounding nations aren't actively attacking Israel, they are preparing for war and threatening war against Israel. Meanwhile, world diplomats are constantly drafting plans to divide Jerusalem and Israel in exchange for promises of peace. But no, you have to remember, God gave this land to Israel. Jerusalem belongs to Israel. It doesn't matter what the Palestinians say. The land belongs to Israel, saints, and we need to side, side with Israel because this is biblical truth. And what about a rebuilt uh, Jewish temple? We talked about that. Um, the Jewish temple hasn't been rebuilt just yet, but it will be. So how can we be sure? Because both Jesus and Daniel say that the Antichrist will defile the temple before the second coming. And how can this happen if the temple doesn't exist? It can't. And that's exactly why you can count on seeing a news headline in the near future announcing plans to rebuild it. The Romans destroyed the last Jewish temple in AD 70. We also talked about that. So for the first time since then, we see groups such as the Temple Institute, whose sole purpose is to rebuild the temple. The Temple Institute is preparing priest priestly garments and, and musical instruments and sacred vessels for the reestablishment of the Old Testament temple worship. OK, this for the Jewish people, not us. OK, now with the Jews in possession of Israel and Jerusalem, this possibility is more likely than in previous generations. So look for this to occur in the near future. Now, what will lead to the uh, construction of a third temple? I, I really don't know, saints. I can't answer that. Perhaps maybe Israel's victory over the Gog of Magog Alliance. Um, no one will know until it actually happens. But if you're around in it, if, if it happens, remember that the Bible foretold that it would happen. 
Okay. So now let's talk about some other signs that I, I never mentioned during this series. I was saving it for our summary. Each and every day, one of the signs mentioned so far is either fulfilled in our time or is or is in the early phases of fulfillment. But they aren't the only signs. The Bible has a lot to say about the last days and the end times. And we see those signs happening as well. So what about people in the last days? Now, here's where I'm about to step on some toes, but the Holy Spirit told me to go for it and I'm going for it. What will people be like in the last days? Fortunately, we don't have to speculate because the Bible tells us Jesus himself says the last days will be days of rampant immorality. He compares them to the days of Noah when God flooded the world because he could no longer bear the sight of man's evil. That's in Matthew 24, 37. Now in a letter to Timothy, the apostle Paul provides more detail. He tells Timothy, he says, people will show the following characteristics in the last days. They will be boastful and proud. They will be lovers of themselves. In 2 Timothy 3, 2, he talks about that. What does it mean to be boastful and proud? It means people will be cocky and they will be arrogant. They are, you know, they will have all the answers to everything. God can't tell them nothing. People with knowledge can't tell them nothing. And they will hold nothing sacred. Do we see this today? Pride is the great vice we hardly ever see in ourselves, but we universally detest it in other people. And while pride has always been present in society, it has never been embraced the way it is today. I'm awakened every night with commercials coming on. If you have been abused by priests in the Catholic church, call this number. You can be a part of the lawsuit that is happening today unheard of 20 years ago, unheard of. We have denominations. Uh, they really not worshiping God. They are worshiping man. The tradition of man is being taught. I want y'all to think about this because look, I'm telling truth. Don't you burn and perish with your denomination. If your denomination is not teaching the truth, you need to leave while you have a chance because you will be buried with that church. Yeah. Yeah. I look, this is coming from my heart. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. And when I was studying for this and all of this revelation was coming to me, I was saying, Lord, you really want me to say this? He said, yeah, people need to hear it. They need to hear it, saints. And remember, people will be lovers of themselves. We have never seen pride the way we see it today. We have commercials that are on TV today you would never have seen even 10 years ago. We have uh, commercials promoting uh, sexual immorality, uh, promoting, you can see men kissing men on television, women kissing women, and then they are promoting pills to help you live with HIV. So they are promoting immorality, sexual immorality. That's what we are seeing saints. The Bible also says that people in the last days will love themselves only. That's in second Timothy three and two. We see man's selfish nature will take place center stage in the world today. Do we see that happening today? Be honest. Do we see it? 
Of course we do. Today's culture, it, it champions self-absorbed behavior. Our society celebrates pride. It celebrates arrogance. It celebrates bad behavior and self-exhortation in business leaders, politicians, athletes, and celebrities of all sorts. I see people claiming to be Christians on addicted to social media, posting pictures of themselves, just, just snapping pictures of themselves. I love me some me, all that just, just demonic, demonic behavior. I love me some, some me, but not telling one person that we need Christ to be saved. Not one person. They are telling that they need Christ to be saved because the world says that religion is accepted. You give man religion and you can control them. That's what the world says. The government does not like God. They do not include God in their decision-making. They don't include God in anything. We are self-absorbed. You take away social media today, and I'm talking about so-called Christians will be in the, in the emergency room seeking a psych psychiatrist. I'm telling what I know. The addiction is enormous. Okay. And like I said, self-exhortation is also in business leaders, politicians, athletes, and celebrities of all sorts. People are killing for money. They will kill their entire family for fame and fortune. Many spiritual leaders promote the idea that human beings are gods. We are not gods. And we need to learn to release our godlike powers. And this is no different than the lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden. To entice Eve, Satan told her, eat of the tree and you will be like God. That's in Genesis chapter three, verses four through five. And what about indifference to others? Now, Paul said the love of many will grow cold in the last days. That's in second Timothy three, three people will be unloving with hardened hearts. They will be harsh and unforgiving. Do we see this today? Be honest. Do we see this today? It's running rampant. Every year, abortion kills millions of babies. Mass shootings occur on a regular basis. Murder is, is, is just the norm today. Yes, road rage. People shooting someone and killing kids in cars. They don't care who's in the car because somebody cut in front of them. They didn't have an accident. They didn't clash. But just because somebody cut in front of them, road rage, people filled with hate. They don't have the love of Christ in them. What about child abuse? You hear about children being raped and murdered. I recently heard over a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago that uh, someone that I know, uh, daughter was raped by her husband, an eight year old girl raped by a grown man who was the child's um, mother's husband. Yes. And I just, I mean, it just ripped my heart to pieces. I couldn't believe that beautiful child was raped by that man, by an adult man. And the police looking for him and it's all on social media, just humiliating the mother. My God, who is a very nice woman, I may add. So I know she have to be devastated. And you know, we adultery is the norm. Women taking men back who are sleeping all over the place with, with different women. And they're saying, well, you know, a man is going to be a man. No, not according to the Bible. Not according to the Bible. If you enter into a covenant with your wife and your husband, that's it. That is it. You should not be going outside of your marriage, sleeping with someone else. Indifference and callous disregard for others is widespread. 
I hesitate to say things can't get worse, saints, but because in all likelihood, they will get worse. They will. And an example of how bad things are today, get ready. I'm getting ready to share, share some news clippings with you guys that you probably haven't heard of. In Georgia, a teenager robbed a woman at gunpoint. When she didn't give him money because she didn't have any, the teenager shot her baby in the head. And you think that's bad. During the investigation, the shooter's own mother and several of his family members conspired to help him cover it up, hide him and the crime. You talk about indifference towards others. If you are a true mother and your child is out there working for Satan and shoot a baby in the head because the mother didn't have any money to give him, you need to turn your child in. If you produce that type of evil, you need to be arrested with your child. I see mothers out there falling all out when their child is in a shootout with the police and their child end up getting killed by the police and they falling all out. You killed my child. Well, let me tell you this. If you find out that your child is out there committing crimes and terrorizing a neighborhood, you need to fall out and cry the same way when your child is shot by the police. Yeah, you need to fall out and cry when you hear that your child is out there robbing people, stealing, killing, raping, selling drugs. You need to fall out when you hear that. Yeah, and you need to hear it. And those of you who are listening and know someone who needs to hear this, you need to play this tape for them. Okay, because the world is coming to an end. We can see it. This stuff, you you didn't hear about stuff like this 20 or 30 years ago. You're going to shoot a baby in the head. At criminals at least had a boundary. Well, you know, if children involved, we're not going to shoot out there. Now they don't care if you got a child's birthday party. Uh, the child just turned one. They see all kids out there and they see the target there after sitting in the midst of those kids. They don't care where those bullets go. They're going to shoot in that crowd. That's what they're going to do. They are going to shoot in that crowd. Indifference toward others is what we call it. In fact, it's quite likely this is the first time you have ever heard about these things. So I want you to think about that. If this crime had occurred in the early 20th century, it would have dominated the news stories for decades. But it's so frequent today. You, you know, we barely hear. They'll brush past it on the news and keep it moving. Today, it doesn't even make the front page. And what about people being lovers of money? Mm -hmm. According to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 2, people in the last days will be lovers of money. And we all know you cannot serve a God and mammoth. Mammoth represents money. You either love one and hate the other. As much as I admire um, Mayweather, Floyd Mayweather Jr. He worships money. That's who his God is. Floyd Mayweather going to bust hell wide open. You can, I don't care how often you hear him say, yeah, I, I want, first I want to thank God. No, 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 no. You talking about the God of money. You ain't talking about the God who created the heavens and the earth. It's a difference. The Bible is clear. You cannot worship God and mammoth. That's money. You can't do it. You either love the one and hate the other. It is just that simple. If because if people have money to buy whatever they need, very it's very likely you will never he even hear them pray. There ain't no prayer coming out of their mouth. No, why? Because they can get most of the prayers are about people asking God for things instead of asking God for peace 
and asking God to give you a given heart so that you can help the poor. Because that's why we should have money so that we can help others. Not so that you can flourish and, and buy things you don't even need. It's things that you want that you are splurging uh, your money on. Yeah. Yeah. You're going on a, just a, a spending spurge. Money would be the idol of worship. And do we see that today? Yes, it's evidence of that everywhere. It's all around us. People seek fame and fortune rather than seeking God, the true and living God. Their God is their money. They dream not of heaven, but of winning the lottery or landing a reality TV show. And there's a young lady that I know. I love her dearly. She, um, I, I was counseling her uh, about some things. And she always say to me, I cannot wait to win the lottery. I pray and ask God that I can just, just let me win, win a million dollars. I'll be satisfied with that. That's her prayer to God now to win the lottery. And she work hard every day and, and live a pretty decent life. Uh, it's, it's more decent than most. It seems like people today would do almost anything for money. They'll make fools of themselves. Some would even murder for it. You know that I've seen headlines of, of somebody involved in insurance fraud, uh, just because they wanted the money. They killed their entire family. A young man and a, a friend of his from college got together and killed this young man's entire family so that he can get his father's fortune and the insurance money. Several years ago, a pharmacist in Kansas City pled guilty to internationally diluting medication for cancer patients, and his only motive was greed. He wanted the money. A few years later, police arrested two elderly women for insurance fraud, and their scam was taking out life insurance policies on homeless men then killing them in what appeared to be hit and run accidents. The two women collected over $2 million. The only motive in this was greed, money. Yes, and lovers of pleasure. What about that? People will also be lovers of pleasure in 2 Timothy 3, 4. And will be the, um, um, let's say, pleasure will be the favorite pastime. Is this what we see today, saints? Yes, it is. How many times have you heard, if it feels good, do it. If it looks good, do it. People today routinely live lives centered around the pursuit of pleasure, and they do so regardless of the consequences. Just look at the sexual immorality that runs free in today's society. And we all have been a part of sexual immorality, including me. But the blood of Jesus cleansed me from that. And it should cleanse you. That's why Paul told the Corinthian church and such were some of you. My God, some of y'all need to check yourself to see if you are of the faith. Because the, some of the things you still involved with, are you actually saved? Just look at the sexual immorality that runs free in our society. What else but an obsessive pursuit of pleasure explains it. Illicit drugs are everywhere because people love pleasure. They can't get enough. And they've always, they are always in pursuit of a new high. Anything that promises to fill the emptiness in their lives, that's what they will chase instead of chasing Christ to fill that void in their hearts. If all this sounds familiar, it's no coincidence, saints. It sounds like your local news. And think about violence and immorality all around us, everywhere we go. These behaviors have always been around, but not since the flood have they been this bad. 
our televisions feature programming that will make the citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah blush. They are degenerate programs. They are beamed into millions of homes each day. This is our society today. It's gotten worse. I never thought 20 years ago we would see what we see today on TV. Anything goes. It's as though the whole world has gone mad. It's a world where people, you know, call good evil and evil good. And if it sounds like I'm judging, no, let me tell you what I'm doing. The word of God is judging. My job is to teach it. My job is to share it. Just like God told, Mo told Moses, they're not against you. They are against me. Moses's job was to tell the people what God said. That's right. And what about um, spirituality in the last days? What about the state of people's spiritual lives in the last days? The Bible reveals that as well. We're talking about spiritual hypocrites. According to Paul, people in the last days will pretend to be religious, but they will deny the power of God. That's in second Timothy three, five. So do we see this today? Absolutely. How many people do you know who go to church on Sunday, but live their lives for Satan and live their lives devoid of God for the rest of the week? Now, I'm not talking about people who don't who don't live um, perfect lives because none of us live perfect lives. But the Bible says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oftentimes we focus on God is faithful to forgive us our sins. But what about the cleansing of that sin? If we are cleansed from it, that means we don't have it anymore. Right. So we have to stop mistreating this Bible. You know, you picking out of it. It's like a buffet. You picking out what you want, but you are allowing your flesh to dictate how you live. No, if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what the Bible says. But today it's running rampant. People faking like they Christians. But, but, you know, people who know this word, they can look at you and hear what comes out of your mouth and see what you do and how you live to know that you are a faker. Yeah, my prayer for you is that, you know, you find Christ for real before this world ends. That's my faith. Uh, and, and that's my prayer. Now, we should repent of our sins. How many people who claim to be Christians don't even think about Christ except in the church pews? Mm hmm. What about the deniers of God and his creation? Jesus said that the last days will be just like the days of Noah. That's in Matthew 24, verse 37. And Paul tells us that in the days of Noah, people denied God's creation. In Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 22, despite the fact that the earth, the sky and all of nature scream out in testimony of God's power, people in the last days will refuse to worship God or give him credit for creation. You know, man didn't create the skies and the moon and the stars and the universe. Man don't have that type of power. Uh -uh. So today, many people place their faith in the Big Bang Theory and the idea that human life and all life in general evolved as a result of random chance. Yes, they have people that believe that, saints. Despite their inability to prove these claims, they cite these ideas as facts and mock the idea of God's existence. But this was all prophesied. People would do this in the last days and that's what they're doing. Often anyone who expresses belief in God as creator of the universe is ridiculed and they are deemed to be someone who is unenlightened, someone who to be an, an intellectual lightweight. Uh-huh. 
And then we have those who deny the second coming. We talked about this already in, in early on in this series, according to Peter, people will deny the second coming in the last days. That's second Peter three verses three through four. Not only will they dismiss it, they'll make fun of those who patiently await his return. Now to these type of people, the second coming and God himself are fairy tales. They invented, you know, um, as an escape, uh, mechanism for people who have trouble coping with life. Yeah. That's what, what these worldly people are saying. I have a, a young man who, um, I've been knowing his family for years. His sister mentioned to me, she's a minister in their congregation, uh, congregation that her brother has, has left, uh, the church has left Christ and, and following these black Hebrew Israelites. And I heard him or uh, not really heard him, saw his post on social media referring to Jesus as a fictional character and everybody in the new Testament as fictional characters. But then you can look at him and see he's being influenced by drugs, which is demonic. And my prayer for him is for his deliverance because his family know about Christ. His family were a, a lot of religious people and uh, believe in Christ. I don't know their hearts, but I do know his family, um, especially his sister is saved. She believe in Christ. She uh, does her work in the ministry. And my um, advice to her, if she's listening today, is that continue to pray for your brother's deliverance because there will come a time where it's too late. Yeah, it's going to come a time where it's too late. So we have to remember that these types of people who are mocking the second coming of Jesus Christ, they really believe that these are fairy tale events and that people who believe in this are troubled people. Yeah, so we are the troubled ones. And do we see this today? Absolutely, we do. How many people do you think will share in your excitement if you tell them why you are so happy because you know that Christ is, is, is going to return soon? How many people do you think will look at you like you are a lunatic? Everybody you said in front of, including some Christians. Uh-huh. So what about false faith and apostasy? Paul told Timothy that in the last days, people will reject the truth in favor of their own ideas. Lord have mercy. That's running rampant. I oftentimes hear people say, and I'm talking about people whom I adore people, people who were there for me when I was sick, telling their, uh, family member, or I overhear them talking to somebody. How many times I have to tell you, God will never put nothing, no, no more on you than you can bear. That scripture doesn't exist in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that it says that God will never allow you to be tempted above that, which you are able, but with the temptation, God is faithful. He will provide a way out, a way for you to escape that temptation. But he, it, it never says God puts anything on you, but they are constantly saying that because they are being led by the devil. The devil wants you to believe that things are happening to you because God is doing it. That way you won't think he's doing it and it'll keep you from praying. Because if you think God doing it to you, why would you pray? Why would you pray about it? You would just sit there and accept it. Uh-uh. No, people are rejecting the truth in favor of their own idea and their lies and the influence that they are receiving from Satan. And they will seek out teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Just because that man in the pulpit at your favorite church, the family church, doesn't mean he was called by God. You need to listen to what's coming out of his mouth. And then what you need to do is equate it to what the Bible says. Because you can't make up your own stuff. 
not according to the Bible. Uh-uh. You cannot make up your own stuff. If you are not teaching the truth, James, the Lord Jesus's brother said, not all should be teachers because you can cause people to fall. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, many Christians will be Christians in name only. Their faith will be false and they will reject the very spiritual beliefs they claim to have. Absolutely. So do we see this today? I see it every day. News stories are filled with quotes from countless pastors, you know, ministers and priests who say the Bible isn't God's word, my Lord, that the blood of Jesus is not necessary for salvation. That's the biggest lie Satan ever told. Now, what about these occult practices? The Bible says that in the last days, people will turn away from the true Christian faith. They will turn away from the true doctrine in the Bible, true teachings of God. They will follow demonic teachings and cults will proliferate. Absolutely. That's in first Timothy four one. Do we see this today? Yes, we do. Some experts estimate the number of Christian cults at more than 1600. That's a lot. That's a lot of cults, saints. And it's probably more. A recent example of, of these types of cults is the fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They are also known as FLDS church, the FLDS church. In 2006, the FBI put Warren Jeff, he is the president of F of the FLDS churches on its most wanted list. Authorities sought Jeff on multiple charges of check this out of child sexual assault. When have you ever read where Jesus encouraged in, uh, sexually assaulting children? You won't read it anywhere. Now, during the FBI's investigation, they found tapes of Jeff using the name of Jesus to rape young girls. Now, did these revelations break his hold on his cult? Absolutely not. The FLDS church remains intact to this day. And even though he's in jail, Warren Jeff continues to wild authorities over his followers. He still has followers. Yeah. What about false messiahs? According to Jesus, many false prophets will appear in the last days, deceiving many. Elijah Muhammad was a false prophet. In Matthew 24, 11, some of these false messiahs will come in the name of Jesus, claiming to be the Messiah. Matthew 24, verse 5. Do we see this today? Unfortunately, we do. In fact, the number of people led astray by false prophets and messiahs in recent years is staggering. In 1978, remember this, the People's Temple, the People's Temple leader, Jim Jones, he convinced more than 900 of his followers to drink cyanide lace Kool-Aid in one of the largest mass suicides in history. In April of 1933, Branch Davidian leader David Koresh, who claimed to be the Messiah, died in a fire along with 75 devoted followers. And, and, and I don't know if you guys know this about David Koresh. He was having sex with the children. He was a pedophile. He was sleeping with the husbands and the women in his church. They believed that he was the Messiah because they don't know the word of God like many of you. And he was using scriptures, twisting scriptures and sharing with them, making them believe that what he was doing was okay with God. And not only okay, it was commanded by God. Unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. My God. In March of 1997, Heaven's Gate leader Marshall Applewhite, he convinced 38 followers to commit suicide with him. Talking about they was going to be caught up in a rapture. Committing suicide now. And this was the largest mass suicide in U.S. history. And in 2007, Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda, a Miami man who claims to be Jesus, he claimed to be the Messiah, convinced his followers to tattoo 666 on their arms. Now, the signs of the second coming are all around us, saints. According to Jesus, when we see these signs, it's an indication he's just around the corner. Do you think Jesus lied? I'm asking you this. Do you think he was mistaken? God is always true to his word, saints. He gave us these signs because he wants us to look for them. Today we see them. And when you see them, Jesus said in Luke 21, 28, look up because he's coming. Jesus also likened the signs of his return to a fig tree. He said, when you see the leaves sprout on a fig tree, you know, without being told that summer is near in the same way. When you see these signs, know that the kingdom is near. He said this in Luke 21 verses 29 through 33. So what did Jesus mean when he said this? He was saying that just as you know, a budding fig tree is a sign that summer is on the way. You should also know he's about to return when you see the signs he described. But Jesus was saying more than that, saints. The fig tree is more than just an analogy. The blooming fig tree is a symbol of Israel. In the Old Testament, the fig tree was often used as a symbol for the nation of Israel. For example, God compared the people of Israel to ripe figs. That's in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10. And he also compared the Babylonian exile to good figs. That's in uh, Jeremiah 24 verses five through seven. So when Jesus cited the blooming fig tree as a sign of his return, he was saying that the rebirth of Israel is a sign of his return. Now in doing so, Jesus said the generation that witnesses the rebirth of Israel will not pass away until all these things take place. That's in Luke 21, 32. And I want to ask you saints, because we talked about this early on in the series. Did you catch that? According to Jesus, there's a generation that is alive today that will witness all the events of the tribulation, the great tribulation and the second coming. But how long is a generation? Is it 20 or 40 years? How about 60, 80 or hundred? And even if there is a set number for a generation, when is the starting point for that generation? Hmm. Now the Balfour declaration in 1917, it was that the starting point? What about the uh, restoration of Israel as a nation in 1948 or the repossession of Jerusalem following the six day war in 1967, regardless of the starting point of the exact measure of a generation, the time of his return is soon either way it go within the expected lifetime of many people alive today. Jesus didn't say when you see all these things, look up because I'm coming in a few hundred years. He said, look up because I'm coming now, saints. So as I conclude this final episode, I want you to think about everything I just talked about. What are the odds of witnessing the simultaneous fulfillment 
of or even near fulfillment of all these prophecies. Do you really believe it's just a coincidence? Do you really believe it's random chance? All these signs appear together in our time after 2000 years of being non-existence. Do you really think the world today is the same as it, it it's always been? Now, yes, I may have, have convinced the majority of you that these things are true, that Jesus is coming back. But some may say, so what? You know, why should you spend, you know, some time obsessing over the second coming? It's not an obsession. Just be on alert. Just like you, you are on your way to work. You know that you're going to come across some stop signs. You have to stop. You know that you have to be aware of red lights and, and school zones. You know that. And so what you really need to understand that this is all God's work. This all, all of these things have been prophesied. Jesus commanded us to stay awake saints in Mark chapter 13, verses 33 through 37. And there's a reason for it. So if you don't already know why the second coming is so important, it's vital that you find out. Go over all of these episodes from episode one all the way to this last episode, okay? And the Bible will tell you exactly why it matters. It matters, saints. So saints, that is the end of this series. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And my prayer is that your mind is open so that you can understand and your heart is open so that you can receive the truth. And just like Jesus came the first time, the Bible says he is coming a second time and there is a wrath that's coming. And I'm telling you, it's going to be worse than what we have ever seen in our lifetime. Okay. And in order for you to miss that wrath, you have to be in Christ because the rapture is going to take place first. God will remove all of his people. And I can care less about what I own, what I have, honey, they can have it. I just want to be with Jesus. And if you do not accept Christ as Lord and Savior today, or if you haven't accepted him before you heard this message, because I have new listeners every episode. And my quest is to lead you to the Savior, the real Savior. There's only one Savior. There's only one name given upon men that by which we must be saved. And his name is Jesus. So saints, for those of you who have not yet accepted the Messiah as Lord and Savior, just stay on air and you will hear a message about, or either an invitation to come to Christ. Okay. And no, we did not go to, um, to an hour and a half or maybe two hours. Like I thought I, that's why I started speeding up with my talking. <laughs> I was hoping, you know, you guys could still understand, but you do have the option to play it back. If if I'm talking too fast, because those who know me and listen on a regular basis, they have often heard me say I naturally talk fast. So sometimes I'll slow down when I feel myself talking fast so that you can hear me and I can be clear. And then sometimes I speed up. So it's right now it's just an hour and three minutes and that's fine. But stay on air so that you can hear an invitation to accept Christ. Play this episode, uh, even if you don't listen to the previous episodes, play this final episode for family members and friends who need to hear it because it's a good thing to accept Christ. Not a bad thing in God's salvation plan. There is healing. 
there is deliverance, there is protection. And with that said, the next episode that um, I will be sharing and I, I am in the process of studying for is why Christians die before their time, why Christians are getting sick and some of them are dying before their time and why are evil people appearing and keep it. I want you, I want to put emphasis on appearing to live longer and you will find all of that out in the next episode. I think I'm going to take next week off and I know you guys know I deserve it. And, um, I want you guys to, you know, treat everybody you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. It doesn't matter how bad you think that individual is. Think about how you used to be and where you were before you met Christ. Everybody don't have him. So that's why we should have some compassion. Share the good news of Jesus Christ, that they can be delivered and cleansed from all of that unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what they have done. I had somebody question me, sent me a, a private message. Well, so you're saying that people can go out there and kill somebody and still be saved. That's, that's a bunch of bull. That's what they said. I said, well, that's the power of God's salvation. That's the power of his grace. That's the power of God's blood that was in Christ, by the way. That's the power of the Messiah's blood. It's able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You can kill a thousand people and be saved tomorrow. Now, with that said, you still have to pay the consequences in your flesh today. You will probably be put to death, but you can still go to heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So saints, enjoy the rest of your day. And my prayer is that God keeps you and that God heals you, that God delivers you, and that you may have the peace that you are seeking in this hateful, evil world. Uh, Peace out. Peace out. If you don't know the risen Savior, Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Saints, tomorrow is not promised to you. There will be a time where Jesus Christ will no longer be available to you. And those who call upon the Lord will not be saved. So all you have to do is repeat after me. Go to Romans chapter 10. And we are going to read verses 9 and 10. You can include verse 11 so that it can give you understanding of verse 9 and 10. So saints, God made his salvation plan simple for every man, every walk of life, every ethnicity, every color of skin to come to him and be reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus. So let's say this prayer in all sincerity. Father God. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And your word says, if I confess this, that I am saved. So Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son, and he is Lord. And I confess with my mouth that he is seated at your right hand, because you raised him from the dead. Amen. Saints, if you made that confession and you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart. That is the seal of the Holy Spirit. And you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And no man can take your salvation away from you. So saints, I want you 
to join a faith-based teaching church. Contact Learning Bible Truth. You can continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth until you find a church home. Contact us and tell us what area you live in and we will conduct a search and tell you what church is teaching Bible truth and direct you to that church so that you can be baptized. Yes, you are not saved by water baptism. Water baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you come up out of that water, you come up as a new man, but you are saved before you get baptized. So saints, I hope that you were sincere Play this tape for family and friends. Lead men to the risen Christ for salvation because there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And that is the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamla D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C, lowercase A-M-A-L-E, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamla D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord. In peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. <laughs>